Hi, this is Jerry Conway. Tom DeFalco. Ron Friends. Paul Jenkins. J.M. DeMatteis. Robert Rodriguez. Jim Salakrup. Danny Fingeroth. Dennis Hopeless. Joshua Hale Fialga. John Semper Jr. Lynn Ween. David Michelini. And you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Giannacchio, the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor and contributor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Thanks for joining us for a special episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, Dan, and for this episode, we'll be discussing, hey, we haven't done one of these in a really long time, an essential Spider-Man comic. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing my pick, Sensational Spider-Man Annual Number 1, also known as To Have and To Hold by Matt Fraction and Salvador LaRocca. And then, Dan, another thing we haven't done in forever, we're going to have a certain drunken, angry character's flash reviews coming up. I wonder who it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Who, who else has flashed reviews? I mean, I, we should ask him what he thinks about what's been going on in the sport ball lately. Oh, God. Let's not get into that. Okay. I will say, though, Mark, I'm really excited that uh, we're going to be getting back into these essential comics after this whole Secret Wars hiatus. Um, and, uh, and to discuss this comic, which I had not read before you insisted we do this for the essentials. So that's really fun to me to talk about this for the first time. And that is To Have and To Hold. So, Mark, Sensational Spider-Man Annual Number 1, To Have and To Hold, why do you consider this one? Or why would you – what's your pitch to us? Why is this essential? Well, I mean I don't know if I can give you like a 15-second elevator pitch because I don't do anything in 15 seconds except for <laughs> talking about how I can't do things in 15 seconds. Um, but, but Dan, for me, I think this is the quintessential Peter, Mary Jane married story. I, I know that we, we talked about Doomed Affairs earlier in this series. Uh, which I do think is an excellent. I love that that issue. It, it was you know that was number three in my top Peter MJ countdown a few months ago on Superior Spider Talk. But this one having a hold was number one uh, because I I, I kind of feel like. Uh, this was more um, of a celebration of the marriage. Uh, and it, it, it's important to note that this issue came out 
uh, like m- one or two months before um, One More Day, which was the storyline that, of course, ended the marriage. So it's like, you know, everyone knew what was coming and, and, and Marvel had been hinting at it for, for quite a while. And then this issue just kind of came out as like, I always feel like the last hurrah of Peter and MJ. And, um, you know, like I, I do feel like this was kind of a love letter to the two of them, much in the way that Spider-Man Blue, which is probably another series that we'll be discussing at some point, was always that love letter to Peter and Gwen. I mean, also, Dan, I mean, it's a comic that's full of history. And again, it kind of plays into this love letter to Peter and MJ. So, I mean, I, I feel like this is this is one of those comics where if you wanted to find out more about why Peter and MJ were a thing and why so fans fought so hard for it and against the fact that Marvel wanted to break them up, this is a comic you could pick up and, and get everything. So, um do you have any thoughts on this issue to start us off now that you kind of heard my pitch? Gosh, I mean, there's so many things to like about this issue, uh, you know, even beyond just the Peter Mary Jane stuff, which, you know, obviously is the heart of the issue. But even just structurally, it's a really fascinating issue. You've got kind of like these two stories, like simultaneous stories going on interspersed with wonderful flashbacks. You know, the artwork is so Varied, and while I don't think it's perfect all the time, I think Salvador LaRocca has some trouble keeping faces consistent. Like, I've never seen Peter have a nose as big as he gives him in this book. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's some wonderful, like, flashbacks, and the art changes to reflect them. Um, I mean, not to mention that the cover has uh, uh, John Romita Jr. and Ross Andrew pencils on it. Um, or not John Romita Jr., John Romita Sr., sorry. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the artwork and the story structure is great. But, yeah, I mean, there's no getting around just how, like, heartfully written this relationship between Peter and MJ is. Even in as complicated as a time as the post-Civil War period is, they find a way to kind of make that status quo work to tell this really lovely story and um, man, there's there's some dialogue here that like is so on the nose in a good way, like so nails what like works about like having Peter or writing about any kind of character that has a married relationship. Um, it's great, and I, I'm not even married, but like you know, I read this and I see like this is like some of the it kind of sums up some of the strength of being married. Like what, what yeah. makes it work? Yeah. Or just in a committed relationship. I mean, it doesn't have to be, I mean, you know, sure, like, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, you obviously are, are in a very committed relationship. So, I mean, you can identify it with it, even without the, the piece of paper, you know what I mean? So, um, that's what I keep telling her. Yeah. <laughs> Does she listen to the show? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay, except when she's on it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's to me. I mean, Matt Fraction. I love Matt Fraction's writing um, uh, and a lot of what he does. Um, I, I feel that he misses on very few uh, uh, comics. Um, but like, you know, this is certainly his shining moment with Spider-Man. Um, I, I I think he's probably kind of touched on Spider-Man in like some other like crossovers and events and stuff that that he's done for Marvel. But like, I mean, you know, this might. Be and, and and you know there were people I think when they were talking about maybe breaking up the Spider books uh, last year like oh there was that rumor Fraction was going to get on a book and you know certainly this would attest to it but like I feel like he was the person to write um, 
this story specifically. I mean, Fraction has a, has a, a, a uh, he's he's known for being able to write strong female characters and 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 he just really nails relationships. And of course, you know he's he's married to Kelly Sue Taconic, who is another great comic book writer. And you know, like their their relationship, I think is, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I guess it's been kind of glamorized within the comic book industry as like this thing that that should be put on a pedestal. But I mean, you know, in all the stories I've read about, you know, articles and whatnot about the two of them, it does seem very sincere and legitimate. I mean, they all go over to Bendis's house and have dinner every Friday with their kids and stuff. I mean, it's like this is somebody who gets it, who gets marriage, who gets what a committed relationship is and should be. And and he just knocks this out of the park. Dan. I I, I just don't know how else to say it. It, um, it really surprises me that we've never got a Fraction book, Spider-Man book, even if it's not amazing. Just because of how um, effortlessly this book reflects the history of the characters, you know, even even their like uh, how Mary Jane has changed over the years. There's there's a a scene where she, you know it's a flashback and she's like very confident, and then it you know comes back to the present where she kind of reveals that that confidence is all put on, you know. And I was like, this is great. It's reflecting on the. The DeFalco run, I I don't know. There's just a real understanding of the full history of Spider-Man and his characters. I'm baffled that we never got more out of him with this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm always, I mean, frankly, I'm baffled that this comic was actually printed. I mean, like, it's, and maybe as someone who, you know, I I, I know I always kind of toe the line and and try not to get too emotional about the marriage and whatnot. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, I I, I liked the marriage. I I appreciated it. So I, I of course, see this comic as almost kind of like a middle finger to those who, yeah, Marvel that wanted to break it up so badly. I mean, there's even a a line at the end that, I mean, and we'll get to it in a second, that it's just like, I, I think a real big kind of like, you know, you know, brush off to to those who were opposing the marriage. Um, what was but, what was the line? Okay, you want me to say? Okay, yeah, I, I we're know. talking it, about it. Let's uh, get it. You're right. You're right. No, I mean the the, the very last. You know, it's at, at the end of this very kind of harrowing story, and we'll we'll talk about the context of that too. Um, you know, MJ says to Peter, you know, maybe the rest of the world thinks marriage is something to do between other marriages, but it means something to me. Um, and, and, and like, not only do I feel like that's kind of like a commentary on the state of their marriage within the Marvel universe. I mean, that, that feels like that, that almost feels like a meta criticism of comic book continuity in general. It's like, you know, like it's basically like, I feel like this is fraction saying like, yeah, I know that they're going to be editors and creators that just come and they're going to change things to suit their needs. You know, it's like whatever, you know, between other runs, you know, like we need to do this now we need to do that. But at the end of the day, this meant something, and they can't take that away from us. And 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 you know, I I I think that speaks to a lot of problems that readers today have with how comics are constructed. Well, pa- pair that with the final image of the book of the two of them. Not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but the final image of the book is them hand in hand jumping off of the roof of the or the not the the final top point, the spire, the spire yeah. of the Empire State Building. Uh, which all the visuals up on top of that Empire State Building are amazing in this book. You know, it's kind of that mirroring of photography with illustration. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I've always read it as it's them kind of like they look – they're very small specks. It's kind of like them like angels ascending to heaven, mm. um, at, like this kind of eternal 
thing that will always last. And that's kind of they're hanging in midair up there. I, I, there's something eternal about it. Uh, in in all the times that I've read this recently, I've read it like three times in the past couple of weeks, um, and that's kind of my take. Do you think there's anything to that? Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, it, and it's meant to be very ambiguous. I mean, you know, they're they're clearly not leaping to their death, um, but uh, or if they are, that's you know that that was that that jump never finalized. It, it just got vaporized, I guess, with the wedding. Um, but but yeah, I mean, there's kind of this this very um, ephemeral quality to it. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I mean, sure. it, I mean, their arms are outstretched, you know, like yeah. it, it really reads that way to me. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a great read for it, but I mean, like, like I said, like the, the, the actual text itself, like, I mean, I, I it, like reading when I, when I first read that line, I just kind of like shook my head about like, I mean, like, like I said, it's not even just so much about the wedding, but it's about, and, and undoing it, but just like all these things in comics that like, you know, in terms of continuity that like that drive fans crazy, like, you know, like, you know, we, you know, people just do stuff to, you know, they, they, I think there's this, this, this viewpoint that, that creators will sometimes just do things to suit, to suit their need. You know, like I need, I need Spider-Man to do this. So thus this is negated. And, you know, I feel like this is kind of a line in the sand. Like, no, I mean, like, if these are stories you love, they're always going to mean something. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't take that away from somebody, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it, it'll always be there. Um, just kind of going back to the story a bit too. I mean, I think the other thing that to keep in mind that's, I find great about this is the context of when and where this was happening. So this was post civil war, uh, when Spider-Man, when Peter Parker was a wanted man of shield, um, for, for, you know, for, turning on Tony Stark and the Superhero Registration Act. Uh, so this is like Spider-Man on the Lamb. And Dan, you and I have talked about that in the past. Like, oh, wouldn't that have been a really cool arc? And we never really got it, but this kind of shows us why it would be really interesting, right? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, there, there were so many stories to be mined out of that status quo that Unfortunately, I feel like we won't get that again, at least definitely not through those circumstances. Uh, like we could probably see Spider-Man on the lamb at some point. But everybody knowing who he is, like this is one of the few issues where I feel like that we get to see the consequences of that. Uh, I mean there's a couple of issues where the villains come after him and Jonah is pissed off or whatever. But like this is the most personal I think it ever got um, – I mean, I guess other than shooting Aunt May, but this is really like going after you know we have a we have a uh, an old fling of Mary Jane's reapproaching her under false circumstances, and you know them trying to get turn MJ against Peter. I mean, it's really dramatic stuff. Yeah, and 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 you know the joke is in terms of the action of this comic is actually very minimal. I mean, like most, the, all of the drama is 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 basically taking place at. You know, a table and a, uh, you know, Peter at a table talking to a cop and MJ at a booth talking to a shield agent, a restaurant booth. I mean, they, I mean, it, that's it. But, the, you know, the way these flashbacks are, 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 are weaved in and, and just this, this charming dialogue and, and, and depiction of this relationship, um, you know, it, 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 it sells the drama of it. And, um, you know, I, I also just kind of like, there's this the very, 
classic thematic quality to how the narrative is set up. I mean, you know, we, I refer to the, you know, Peter is in one, one area and MJ is in another. And it's like, I almost feel like this is like straight out of like an O. Henry story where it's like Peter is basically going to a police officer about turning himself in um, in order to get immunity for MJ and Aunt May. Meanwhile, um, you know, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, you know, under kind of false, a false guise, corners mj about selling out peter and she won't do it you know it's like you know it's kind of like you know that whole thing with uh you know the combs and the you know <laughs> and, and 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 you know the, the classic o henry stuff uh, the gift of the magi so um i don't know i mean did, did, did do you know where am i am i like over reading this here dan no no not at all it's the kind of story we haven't gotten in years from a spider-man comic and and you know, especially when we're Spider-Man is so downplayed. I mean, like, uh, he's in costume for what? Like, a couple of panels in this book and doesn't do anything necessarily Spider-Man-y. But, I mean, it's the heart of what made early Spider-Man and I guess, like, JMS's run so great is that, like, Spider-Man is really a backseat to the drama unfolding with Peter and his uh, supporting cast. And, uh, man, I, I would love to get more issues like this. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, in terms of the nostalgia, I mean, it's, it's very reverential, but it's also, it's very funny. And, 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 in, uh, in, in terms of how it, it references some things, like, you know, you talked about the flashback scenes and how they're illustrated differently. And, and, you know, this is a case, I mean, you know, we, we, we don't always talk about colorist, Stan. I mean, and, and, and that's probably more my fault than yours. Um, but like, I mean, here's one where, you know, the, the color, the color palette was done by Paco Roca. And like, you know, like, there's like, like in the in the Romita, like the '60s uh, scenes, there's like a pastel kind of aesthetic to it that I think really sells the 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 kind of dreaminess of these sequences. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's and in the Bronze Age, the, like I feel like the color palette's a little grittier. Um, you know, kind of when they're revisiting the JFK scene where they kiss for the first time, um, and 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 that's great. But then you also have like. <laughs> You know, at one point, you know, Peter is kind of like rambling about his history with MJ and he talks about face it, Tiger. You hit the jackpot to this cop and the cop is like, first of all, don't call me Tiger. And he's like, oh, no, no. That's what she said to me the first time she saw me. And he's like, nobody talks like that. What is she crazy? And it's like, yes. Like, that's like, <laughs> like <laughs> that's exactly why she's great. Yeah, it's like that whole thing. I mean, that was Stanley, you know, the face of Tiger, you hit the jackpot, probably the greatest character reveal in spider-man history i would say or at least opening line um it's it's like stanley silliness and schmaltziness but it's it's history man you know what i mean like it's like who doesn't know that line it's 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 great right <laughs> I, I don't i'm not I'm, i know my words are kind of escaping me here but i just love the commentary <laughs> Well, there's also that great, ret, you know, a retcon scene where he and uh, MJ are exchanging uh, uh, cassette tapes for to each other. Yes, and the mixtapes. It's so great. I mean, it says everything you know about these characters, but we, you know, we get like in classic like Annie Hall style, we get like their different thoughts that are going on in the scene, and we see how both of them are misinterpreting how each other feels, and that's so. Like, again, it takes me back to the Tom DeFalco era where, like, these characters were made to be far deeper than they first appeared. And I love this kind of 
um, looking back at their original courtship through the knowledge of their kind of modern characterizations and and making it not only does it make this comic great, but you look back on those older issues and you think, oh, there was something else going on there that like maybe they didn't know about at the time, but like it all fits together and it shows a really kind of uh, that all the writers through the years have done a good job shepherding these characters through all the different um, uh, characterizations and 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 positions that they've occupied in the book. Yeah, no question. I mean, and, and yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the mixtape scene, Dan, because I mean, that's just, it's just, it's just an all time favorite. I mean, it's, 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 like you said, it, it just captures everything about these characters, but also kind of captures them at, at different points in their, in their developments and then kind of like converges it all. It, it's so smartly done. I, I, I like that, you, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to shamefully admit I've never seen Annie Hall. Um, oh, my. but I know. Knowing what I know about it, that makes sense, and like that, that 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 you just saying that kind of now even gave me a, an even greater appreciation because of course Matt Fraction would probably try and emulate that kind of like because again there's such such a like a classic aesthetic in how to tell a story a, a romance in in this comic throughout you know what I mean like he's like Fraction is just constantly mining the great romances both modern and, and and older and and what have you to to kind of build peter and mj and then i mean and then like he, he just hits you with these lines um i mean this one just gets me um you know it's that you know uncle ben you know at one point peter says uncle ben is what gets me out of bed every day but mj is what lets me stop at night and i mean i what do you, do you have anything to offer on that, Dan? No, it's great. I mean, it, it, I guess like out of context, it could kind of sound melodramatic, but like in the context of the book, it's a really powerful uh, a line, um, easily uh, uh, taken out out of the book and and, and applied to other circ- circumstances. Yeah, which is, I mean, again, I I I, I think a, any kind of story strength is derived from a person's ability to kind of apply it beyond just the world of that story. And, and that, again, we were just talking in the beginning. I mean, this is, this is not even just uh, a defense of this marriage of Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson. I mean, this is, this is, this is an embrace of, 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 of a committed romantic relationship period to me. You know what I mean? Like the merits of it, you know, the, the, the harrowing nature of it, the drama the suspense, but also why at the end of the day, when you have something good with somebody, you 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 need to hold on to it. It's it's also kind of like you know you read that line it's so powerful, and you realize that like this is how the character could develop and change and update his mantra, you know, and, and become a more fully realized character through the addition of the marriage. And it just it just I mean I'm not to harp on it again, but like it's just kind of upsetting to think that like this really powerful development in in the character was kind of thrown away um you know in order to make him more simple and and i guess quote unquote relatable um, right you know cuz uh, i don't know that's a powerful statement and a powerful development for peter that i think a lot of people had embraced before it was even written out here in in text you know right. um, that th- this uh, character could grow 
Yeah, I mean, and I would also argue, Dan, that I mean, we kind of, and 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 this would be our favorite part of that story. We we got glimpses of this in Renew Your Vows, like I mean, you know, with with the addition of Annie as well. You know, like it wasn't, you know, like we we saw a Peter who, you know, needed to stay at home. You know what I mean? Because there were bigger things than his responsibilities as Spider Man. You know, and 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 the lessons of Uncle Ben, and and I feel like watching that character deal with that was what, you know, what was, what worked so well about Renew Your Vows. So, I mean, again, like this works, this is, this is something you can tell good stories with this angle. It's just, you know, does Marvel want to do that? And, you know, clearly over the long haul, they don't. Um, and we can talk about that some other time. Anything else specifically about this comic that you want to talk about, Dan? No, I love this comic. I'm sad that it took me so long to, uh, to read it. And uh, the next time I go to a convention, I'm going to be seeking this one out to pick it up a copy for myself. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I, I hate to make you, you know, put you on the spot, Dan, but I mean, I, I, I you know, now, now, now that we've talked about both this and Doomed Affairs, I mean, I, I see. I, let me start by saying I see value in both stories. I think both are important in their own respect. But do you have, um, do, do you have a preference now for one over the other after reading this and talking about it? Or, I mean, do you kind of stand by your original take on, on Doomed Affairs? I mean, I stand by my original take on Doomed Affairs, but, I mean, this is probably the better comic. I'll say there are things in Doomed Affairs that I, like, really enjoy reading, like kind of the jokiness of mm-hmm. Spider-Man and the kind of dual persona thing that I don't think really gets covered here. As much, I think they cover different grounds. I mean, one of them is a is a declaration of love, and the other one is like a reunion. Mm. Uh, um, after a while, and I think they hit different notes. And I think Doomed Affairs kind of has that jokey, like you you get the idea of of the difficulty of their relationship. I think more in Doomed Affairs than you do in this one. Yeah. Um, so I think they cover different things. This one certainly, I think, hits harder emotionally and I think is a better reflection of the history of the character. So I think this is the more interesting artistic choice and, and probably the better comic. But I don't want to, like, throw Doomed Affairs to the side. They're both – Oh, no. Yeah, they're both yeah. – like, like you said, they're both great stories. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind having both of them making our essentials list. But yeah, I guess if I had to choose one or the other, this is probably the the stronger issue. Okay. Well, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't trying to get that out of you, but I just wanted to see if you because I think I think when I first started talking this issue up to you, you hadn't read it yet, so we were just like, I was like, no, no, trust me. No, <laughs> like sure. I I love this issue. I this is a great issue, and uh, I I I'm going to be recommending it to people for years to come. Okay. Despite its kind of murky place in Spider-Man timeline. Yeah, very true. All right, Dan. Well, so we talked about our essential. Do we do we want to dare get to the next segment? Uh, I guess we're going to have to. It's our Flash Thompson's Flash Reviews. Dan, I guess I need to 
turn the microphone over to an old friend. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Hello. Flash, it's been, I think, two months since I've heard from you. You thought you got rid of me, didn't you? That's enough time to go through, like, a, a serious stepped program. Oh, well, no. <laughs> Come on. I, you know, the, the important thing for me was that I didn't have to go to rehab. No, no, no. And no, I'm not just singing the song. I just mean, no, I didn't go to rehab. I, 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 I didn't pass out. I'm not in the hospital. I didn't crash my car. Are you floating through outer space? You know, we don't talk about that. That's, 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 that's not me. Um, nor, nor am I saving the world from a spider, spider invasion, uh, monster invasion or anything like that. No, the, the, the thing here is, Dan, I'm back. You didn't get rid of me. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not sober, but I don't need to be. I'm very effective when I, when I drink, I can, I can drink and, and, and do very good things. Um, and speaking of which right now, I need to take a nap. So I'm going to leave you to your little ditty reviews, 60 seconds. Uh, you know, you play with your little phones to do the dings and the dungs and I'm going to go take a nap. Well, that wasn't quite as uh, hostile as I thought it was going to be, Dan. No, no, especially since you've kept him locked in your closet all this time. Well, he was, like, really kind of hyped up. Like, you know, like, he, he, he felt – I'm not going to lie, Dan. He felt betrayed. Oh. By, by me or by you for locking him away? Uh, by you. He, oh. he, he, he's kind of made peace with me. He, he, his, his, his beef is always with you. Yeah, because you're the one that's been slipping him alcohol into the closet. Well, that's the thing. He knows, he knows, you know, he knows who pays the bills. You know what I mean? Like in terms of his, you know, his bills. So, uh, <laughs> um, so, so Dan, we haven't done these in a while. So we have a, we have a prodigious list. So, uh, why don't, why don't we flash through them? Huh? Yes. Um, I guess our first one's going to be radioactive spider Gwen. Number one. Yeah. The relaunch of the series. I guess it's our second number one in a year. All right, so you want me to lead you off? Yeah, sure, Mark. Count me in. Three, two, one. Mark, I have to admit that I just don't get Spider-Gwen. It isn't because the plot is complex or anything. I, I'm sure it's really quite simple, but I read this comic through multiple times, and while I can piece it together now, I think, there continues to be a sharp disconnect between the writing and the art that really hampers the storytelling. I don't really get how one element of the plot connects to the rest, and I don't really know what's causing it. Suffice to say, I'm not enjoying or confident in the Spider-Gwen as a title. Unfortunately, I'm calling this one Puny Parker. All right, Mark, let me count you in for your review of Radioactive Spider-Gwen number one in three, right. two, one. Well, Dan, for me, Spider-Man, Spider-Gwen is back, and Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez are back to giving us probably the most unique of all the Spider-Stories. So, so this is going to be a very different review from yours, uh, something with a lot of punk rock energy and verb. Interestingly, while I still like some of the pre-Spider-Verse Spider-Gwen content more, this issue seems to mark more of an upswing in confidence from the creators and how they're handling their characters in universe. Gone are some of the gimmicks that came with the original series. Uh, and in its place is a more straightforward narrative that uh, it sets up a larger plot and it's developing its characters in the process. Uh, for me, the mystery of the lizard and Peter Parker's death is a worthwhile story to explore. And, and thus far, I, I found this first issue delivered. So I'm going to say fan club certified. 
All right, Mark. It looks like our next one is Spider Island number five, the final issue of Spider Island. Do you want to uh, count me in here? Absolutely. Uh, and this one, of course, stars our old friend Flash Thompson. So why don't you do it in three, two, one? It was a blast having Christos Gage on the show with his youthful energy and love of everything Stegron really showing, especially in his writing here on Spider Island. And while I think the series has spun its wheels a lot on the back end, specifically in how much it's gone out of its way to praise the character of Agent Venom again and again and again, I also think the book has been a lot of fun. So especially in the issue of the Dino Thor, really stole the show. Unfortunately, Gage revealed that to me early, but it was still very funny. If you're a fan of Marvel's monster books, I think this is definitely something I'd recommend if you want to turn your brain off for some fun. Fan club certified. All righty. My turn. All right, Mark. I'm giving you the countdown in three, two, one. Well, this series has had an unquestionable charm that I still can't fully wrap my head around, uh, though Dan's excellent interview with Christos Gage did definitely shine some light on it. Uh, Gage is just clearly trying to develop a series that's filled with off-the-wall fun, and he does that by being nostalgic about some of the weirder moments and characters in Marvel history. But ultimately, this approach absolutely works as we get a nice action epic in the style of the original Spider Spider Island, while also nailing some emotional beats with Flash Thompson and Agent Venom uh, at the end for these characters. Uh, The role reversal of Peter Flash was especially poignant for me and made this series quite enjoyable. I say fan club certified. Awesome. Well, our next one is the much-awaited Secret Wars number six. We got two months away from Secret Wars, and this thing finally dropped. Uh, why don't you count me in here, Mark? I'm going to say, was, was two months enough to deliver a story, Dan? Tell me in three, two, one. Well, after two months, this book had a lot of hype going into it, and while I think it is some truly jaw-dropping moments, I'm just not sure what to make of this time jump that happened in the book. Suddenly, all the characters we wanted to see fight their way through Battleworld are pretty much done, all their quests, and it all happened off-panel, which is incredibly frustrating, especially in the case of Black Panther and Namor, who should be battling to the death in this book after how they treated each other, and instead are, like, randomly working together. That said, we get a truly great scene between Miles and Peter as well as a stunning reveal at the end of the book. I'm still sold on Secret Wars and can't wait to read the upcoming issues, but this time jump thing was a really strange choice. I'm going to call this one Puny Parker. All right. So why don't you count me in? All right. Three, two, one. Well, this comic is interesting in that in that typical Hickman way, it appears to be moving very slowly and incrementally only to sneak in some plot developments that really shake up the status quo and then thrust the story forward. Uh, this issue, to me, had one of the better cliffhangers in the series thus far, which you just alluded to, not to mention to that great Peter Miles exchange over a hamburger that was uh, eight years and three weeks old. Uh, that might be the, to me, that might be the best Marvel event joke using Spider-Man. Um, but through all that, I can't help but be a bit frustrated as a reader by all the delays, not to mention, like you said, the time jump. Uh, with the all-new, all-different universe in full effect, it has certainly reduced the stress and consequences of Secret Wars considerably. I like this series, but declaring it the greatest Marvel event ever, like I was possibly doing a few months ago, has seemingly gone by the wayside due to some non-story-related circumstances, which is kind of sad. So I'm saying fan club certified, but I, 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 I feel the vibe of your puny Parker, Dan. Yeah, I mean, like, the content is great, but I also don't know why they added 
a ninth issue only to do this like time jump, which to me clearly was like, hey, we can't fit in all this stuff. Let's just jump into the future and have all of these characters like already patched up, you know? Um, I thought that was super awkward. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. Anyway, next up we got Spider-Verse number four and five. Uh, You want to count me in, Mark? Sure. Three, two, one. I had fun watching Spider-Verse improve story after story, and I think that's no different for issues four and five. However, I thought the big letdown here is that after all the fighting and all the lame Spider-Ham jokes, this book ends suddenly and never reveals the mystery of like why all these Spider-Men were pulled together and why we should really care about the outcome of this story. I mean, even for a what-if story. Even more fundamentally, this story teases the upcoming Web Warriors as if these the star of this what-if book are going to be in that book. It seems like a total misread of Secret Wars and – you know, perhaps was created by an author having too little information about the event and how it works. So unfortunately, while I was enjoying this book for a little while, it ended on such a down note. So I'm going to call it Puny Parker. All right, Dan. All right. Uh, Counting you in in three, two, one. Well, Dan, I think the last time we talked about Spider-Verse, I was actually kind of turning around on on the series and 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 – starting to like it but i mean for me these last few issues it returned to being this meandering nonsensical thing uh that's quite frankly giving me pause about the upcoming web warrior series your point also about the treatment of the characters is a great one that i wasn't even thinking about in my initial review here um because it's disappointing because a team-up series with all these multiversal spideys should actually be a lot of fun but it just seems like the creators can't come up with a viable story that brings them all together and they're, they're also reluctant to give any of the spiders outside of Spider-Ham any kind of moment to shine. And it's really just joke, like really corny jokes. Uh, canon or no, I also feel this was a waste of Norman Osborn, a character that really should be saved for like big stories. Uh, so Puny Parker for me. Okay. And our last book we're talking about is Spider-Man 2099, number one, the relaunch that came out last week. Uh, so why don't you count me in here, Mark? All right. Uh, I don't, we're going to shock away in three, two, one. Well, just last week I was talking about how I wasn't looking forward to the return of 2099 because the preview didn't hook me and I didn't get what the story would be about. Let me say this, though. I was wrong. This first issue proved to me that Peter David used his time away from the book to come up with a great hook and a compelling character. I'm glad that Peter David allows Miguel to be an absolute jackass along the lines of Peter during his origin story. And the world he paints around him, I think, is just really compelling with all these time portals and all this stuff. I could have done without the sudden fridging of his revealed pregnant girlfriend, but I suspect Peter David will find a way to fix that and make it interesting too. So I'm calling this one fan club certified. All right, Dan. Well, it sounds like we're going to be bookending these reviews with some some conflicting uh, reviews here. All right. All right. So I'm catting you in in three, two, one. Well, Dan, as, as much as I love Spider-Man 2099 uh, the last time around, I'm kind of scratching my head here about its role in the current Marvel Universe and why I'm supposed to be super excited about this new status quo. A reluctant, unwilling superhero who's a bit of a, a, a jack-ass, a jack, uh, as you mentioned, gets tired very quickly. And while I appreciate the fact that this series is still trying to focus on getting Miguel back to his timeline without incident, 
With so many other spider books out there, I can't put my finger on how this one distinguished itself from the competition. I mean, it's competently written, and I've always been more of a fan of Will Sliney's art than you have. Uh, but other than that, I, I just don't see much there there. And I just found my attention span wavering very fast, uh, not to mention the kind of weird ending. Puny Parker. All right. Well, you know, uh, either hooks you or it doesn't. But I, I got to admit, it's got its hooks firmly in me. All right, and I'm 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 looking forward to more radioactive spider Gwen. So uh, you know, yeah. There you go. Two very different uh, reviews on the yeah. You said the book ends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's, maybe we got to get Flash into to settle this between us, Dan. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. no please just, not. He he's he's sleeping away. So let's leave him there. And why what? don't you take us to the end of the show? Yes, of course. You can find all of our new amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com. We're at 91 now. Or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure you leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll be sure to read it on the air. And additionally, if you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. Maybe you couldn't help us settle the score here on Spider-Gwen and Spider-Man 2099 and what you thought of those books. Yeah, settle the score. That's 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 all we need. There's more people pitting us against each other, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> You're going down, Mark. And to say more annual versus non-annual talk. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> also, be sure to check out our Facebook pages at facebook.com/superiorspiretalk and facebook.com/chasingamazing. They're great places to keep up with us in between shows. Uh, we talk. We talk silliness and articles and news and spider stuff and, uh, you know, yeah, do it. Facebook now. Just do it now. Go now. How about now? No, it's over. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, if you want to follow the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales, be sure to subscribe to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin, hosted by Brian, Kyle, and Noor. And yes, our theme song is courtesy of Rylan Bojack, and our outro song comes from Magic. And of course, a special thanks to Nick Cagnetti, Ray Sumzer, Ron Franks, and Sal Buscema for our show's awesome artwork. Mark, where can uh, the listeners find you on the internet this week? Yeah, well, of course, you can find me on SuperiorSpireTalk.com, where I'll be continuing with the Volume 2 review series, uh, our, 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 re- our rehash of the Howard Mackey, John Byrne era of the Spider Books. Uh, and then on Twitter, you can find me at ChasingASM blog. Uh, by the time you listen to this, the, the Mets may or may not be in the World Series anymore. If they're not, I'm probably crying. So uh, be gentle. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavosden, consoling you, Mark. Or on my Spider-Man account at Sup Spider Talk, and you can read again, like Mark said, all of our Spider-Man writing at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, and my movie reviews at GrindMyReels.com. Mark, uh, remember that one time that you invited me to your aunt and uncle's for breakfast? Oh boy, it was delicious. Those wonderful wheat cakes. Oh, 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 and that amazing coffee that your uncle Ben whipped up. There certainly wasn't any dirt in that coffee, or, or was it a cappuccino? I can't remember. Uh, well, well you, no. You know what the secret is to my Uncle Ben's coffee? No. What is it? I, I, I have to know. Well, he, he, he uses fair trade uh, coffee beans. You know why he does that? No, I don't. I mean, because I, other than the good things to do. Well, I would say it's the responsible thing to do, and that's what Uncle Ben is. And you know what else is responsible, Dan? No, I, 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 not at all. Well, with, with great podcasts. 
And then must also come amazing spider talk. 